Welcome to the Stratcom podcast. I'm your host, Kubra Akkoc, a journalist at TRT World. Today, we are going to talk about cybersecurity in space. And joining me now is Sean Waterman, who is a journalist and content strategist covering cybersecurity, space and defense technology. Sean, great to have you here. Thanks very much for having me on. I want to start with your recent piece I read recently, actually. And it caught my attention because its headline was how to hack a satellite. And I thought, like, can we really do that stuff? So my first question is to you is, can you really hack a satellite? What you've got to remember is that space systems are extremely complex, you know, systems of systems. So with the satellite, you have the satellite that's in space. It's connected to a ground station on, on Earth by a radio communications and um, there are computer systems both in the ground station and on the satellite which you know like other computer systems on earth can be hacked yes they can be uh, made to do things that they're not supposed to which is the sort of definition of hacking so yes you, it, it's theoretically possible and in fact the uh, the space force the u.s space force recently staged a contest where they where they got teams of hackers from all over the world to sign up to try and hack a it wasn't a real satellite it was mm -hmm. a it was a satellite equipment you know on the ground it's called the flat sat all right But, so yeah so not only is it possible it's actually being mm -hmm. done why did they do that like why did the u.s space force invite all the hackers to just try like try their skills and like show them whether they can really hack a satellite That's how you improve. One of the ways you improve security. These uh, mm. these exercises they're called capture the flag, or mm. CTF. They're sort of, you know, practice battles really between groups of hackers who are trying to, you know, in this case, every uh, all of the eight teams had their own satellite that they were trying to defend, and then they were trying to hack everyone else's satellite. So. So what you learn through that is, you know, well, where are the satellites vulnerable? What are the, uh, what are the flaws in the software that runs them that mm -hmm. hackers can exploit to make, you know, to take over the, the equipment? And um, that is, you know, I mean, that, so that's why they did it. Yeah. Uh, because that's how you, a lot of uh, new vulnerabilities called zero days are discovered, you know, through this kind of practice hacking. I see. So it means maybe the space, like cybersecurity in space, getting more and more attention now. And do you think that's the case? And if you think so, why is the why is the issue of the cybersecurity in space getting more attention today? Well, um, I think it is getting more attention, and it's getting more attention because of what's happening in space. You know, um, these these low Earth orbit or LEO constellations that so people like Starlink and OneWeb and Amazon are launching, they're going to have thousands and thousands of satellites in them. You know, I mean, there's a couple of thousand of satellites uh, orbiting the Earth right now. You know, in five or 10 years, there could be 20,000. So space is getting a lot more crowded. And these satellites that the new generation of these low Earth orbit satellites are actually designed to be updated, just like your smartphone. You know, traditionally, 
you put a satellite in space and there it is in space, you know, there's not really very much you can do yeah. uh, to, up, <laughs> to update it. And if it breaks down, mm. well, you know, you're, you're stuck. But, but now these new gen- this new generation of, uh, of satellites being launched by, um, by Starlink and, and, and these other startups, mm-hmm. are, um, they're designed to, to run on software just like your phone and just like your phone they're designed to be periodically upgraded to improve their capabilities now that means but that you know every uh connection with the ground every um w- uh you know way of getting into the satellite to change the settings mm-hmm. to change the way the software operates every one of those is a possible backdoor for a hacker so so these this new generation could you know they're working very hard to make them secure, but could turn out to be more vulnerable. So that that's getting mm-hmm. attention. And then the other thing is, you know, increasingly there's sort of tension and concerns about conflict in space as well. We saw the recent uh, Russian anti-satellite weapons test where they uh, they basically blew up. You know, they used a, a it's called a a direct ascent vehicle or direct ascent kill vehicle. It's basically like a missile that you launch. It struck a Russian, you know, a defunct Russian spy satellite, destroyed it. So, you know, and we know that on Earth, these uh, cyber attacks, you know, hacking and so forth, forms an important dimension of the conflict between, um, you know, superpowers, between Russia and America, for example. And, and everyone seems to think that the same will be true in space, that if there's conflict in space, cyber attacks will be part of that. Right, yeah, interesting times ahead in terms of that. And you mentioned like vulnerability. About vulnerability, these new constellations launched by Starling, OneWeb, OneWeb and Amazon, they launched the new low Earth orbit satellite constellations. So will they be vulnerable to hacking? And if so, what are the countermeasures or are there any countermeasures to avoid these kind of attacks? So one thing that's true about these satellites is there'll be an awful lot of them. So at the moment, you know, if you uh, look at a traditional satellite communications company like Inmarsat, mm-hmm. the uh, British, British, they have their satellites are in what's called geostationary orbit. That means they're... 20,000 miles plus above the surface of the Earth, but they're in an orbit where they're fixed in relation to the Earth. So, you know, if, you're, if that satellite's over London, it stays over London. As the Earth turns, it turns. And so it's always over London. Now, that means that you can have global coverage with just a handful of these satellites. You know, in Marsat, I believe, have... Uh, Heart four or five or six, maybe in their constellation, and um, and that means that if you're able to knock one of those satellites out, you've put a great big hole in in Marsat's global coverage. You know, because a mm-hmm. a fifth of their whole global coverage is gone once that satellite's out. With a constellation like Starlink, which will have ten to twelve thousand satellites, you know, you knock one of those out, and you've basically achieved nothing. You mm-hmm. haven't put a substantial hole in their coverage at all you know the satellites are a minute or two apart for uh, you know as they circle the globe so so another one will be along in a couple of minutes and um so these low earth orbit constellations are much more resilient in that sense and that's always a good defense to have because 
you know, if you're a nation state, you've got great resources, but they're not unlimited, and you're going to use them where they're mo- where they'll be most effective. And that that probably isn't against um, you know one or two low Earth orbit uh, satellites out of a constellation of twelve thousand. On the other hand. You know, the thing about cyber attacks is they scale very easily. You mm-hmm. know, you don't, you can launch, because they can be automated, you can launch hundreds of thousands of them at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, just like you can send millions of spam emails. or So it's possible to um, foresee a situation in which some kind of automated cyber attack is directed at the whole constellation like that, all 12,000 satellites. You know, that could be devastating. It's hard to tell is is the short answer whether yeah. they'll be more or mm-hmm. or less or less vulnerable. vulnerable. But they they'll definitely be more resilient in the sense that you know knocking one or two or even a handful of satellites out you know out of orbit out of the sky that's not really going to affect the the coverage of these low Earth uh, orbit constellations. Right now, I'd like to ask you about. Another piece of yours, it's also recent from November, I guess. It's called Space Hacking Risks for Cyber Policy Test for Biden Administration. In the piece, it seems like you are not very happy that the administration's decision to not to designate space system as a new critical national industrial sector, right? Why is that? Well, I wouldn't say that I'm happy or unhappy. Uh, I mean, a lot of people are unhappy about it, and I quote mm-hmm. them in the story, but I don't have a dog in the fight necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is, um, you know, it's not just about definitions, right? There's, there is, there's a question, you know, government has a special category called critical infrastructure. That's uh, private sector businesses mm-hmm. whose operations are considered absolutely essential to the national economy. So things like banks, you know, transit systems, right? You know, the yeah. air transportation or the rail network, all of this stuff, critical infrastructure. Now, there are 16 different sectors that range from, you know, finance, that electricity is in there, oil and gas is another one. Space is not one of those sectors. And yet, you know, space is very critical. Without GPS, it's not just Uber. Or, and Grubhub and all of those very convenient apps wouldn't mm-hmm. work. The banking, the, the ATM system, you know, the, the, where you get money out from your bank wouldn't work either because, because that relies on GPS. And increasingly, more and more industries, agriculture, for example, agriculture on a big farm, they mm-hmm. will move, you know, there'll be automated machinery, waters, uh, you know, irrigates the uh, fields or harvests or plants, crops, all of that done, again, through GPS. And there's other kinds of data and communications data that, um, that are also you know, increasingly integrated into more and more of these vital businesses. So a lot of people in the space industry want to see the sector designated as critical infrastructure. And it's not just a, you know, it's not just a matter of what you call something. There's a lot of procedures, you know, there are special procedures set up to provide sanitized versions of secret intelligence that the United States has collected. So, yeah, you said space is critical. And coming back to satellites, how critical are satellites to the functioning of the global economy? You mentioned apps, you mentioned GPS. Well, they're very critical. 
And um, but it's as we talked about with with the low Earth orbit constellations, they're also increasingly resilient. Mm-hmm. It's not just GPS. GPS is the constellation of GPS satellites is is uh, run by the U.S. military. But there's also now a European version called Galileo. There's a Chinese, you know, flight uh, fleet of uh, satellites now that provide, you know, GPS type mm-hmm. services to uh, across the globe, you know, to their subscribers. The Japanese have one. Um, so, you know, there's there's uh, now almost half a dozen. The Russians have another. So there's half a dozen different constellations providing the same GPS type service of being able to know exactly where you are. And because you know exactly where you are, you also know exactly what time it is. So those are very crucial, very critical, but they're also, you know, duplicated. What there isn't, what what we don't have the duplication for yet is a lot of the Earth observation, especially this new technology called SARS, you know, basically take pictures of the surface even uh, in the dark or through cloud cover and rain and so forth. Mm-hmm. Remarkable stuff, yeah. increasingly used, you know, for example, in the insurance industry, re- used in disaster relief and recovery. And, um, and there, you know, there's re- literally a handful of these satellites in orbit right now, more a plan for the future. So, uh, yes, increasingly uh, critical. Critical. Right. So my last question to you is, so you already somehow mentioned like Russia versus United States one. So could there be really a war in space, a real war, all out war, of course, in space terms? So what role would hacking play in such a conflict if there would be a one? Well, I mean, uh, I think, you know, there could be, yes, there could be Uh, conflict, you know, there's already a lot of tension between America and China, for example. The American military, when it used to do war games, you know, where it would game out a conflict with China, mm-hmm. the uh, the Chinese, the American commander playing the Chinese commander, the first thing they would always do, knock out all of uh, America's space assets, because, because that's what gives America the edge on the battlefield, the high-tech precision weapons the uh the instantaneous communications all of that relies totally on space based assets so um so i think if there was a major conflict you might well see uh mm-hmm. that spread to to space now in terms of the role that cyber might play in that i think we have to hope kubra that it's a major role and the reason we have to hope it's a major role is because if it's not cyber they're going to be knocking these things out of the sky And just like the Russian uh, test we talked about earlier, uh, the, the anti-satellite weapon, mm. what that did when it destroyed their defunct satellite was create a huge cloud of debris, right? Thousands and thousands of, of, of particles, you know, some of them as big as a fist, some of them perhaps no, no bigger than a speck of dust, mm. but traveling at tens of thousands of miles an hour. Mm. So... And at that speed, even a fingernail-sized fragment, if it you know hits the wrong piece of equipment, goes through the wrong bit of the spacecraft, can have a, a, a pretty damaging effect. Now, if you can imagine that cloud of debris multiplied 20, 30-fold, mm-hmm. you know, as weapons are deployed to destroy satellites in orbit, 
you can uh, see that it quickly, you know, generate more and more debris. And then what happens is the risk you run is this terrible thing called the Kessler effect or a cascade effect where those clouds of debris in turn, you know, damage or destroy other satellites in orbit, which then that in turn creates more debris, more collisions with satellites, and eventually the, you know, the orbit becomes unsustainable. You can't actually put anything up there because there's too much of this uh, debris flying around and, uh, you know, it'll effectively destroy anything that you launch into orbit. So that would be a terrible, terrible consequence. Um, whereas with a cyber attack, you know, the effects are temporary. They're often reversible. The satellite stays in orbit, even if you fry its, you know, even if you fry its brain, the body continues to orbit it, and it doesn't create these huge debris clouds. So for that reason, a lot of military theorists think that cyber attack is actually probably quite likely going to be the, the preferred form of combat in space. Because if you, you know, I mean, now the Chinese, the Russians, they all have their own space assets. They all have their own GPS systems and their own Earth observation data that, that their industries rely on. So, you know, you start knocking things out of orbit and, and you create one of these cascade effects and pretty soon everyone's in the same boat, you know, which is sinking fast, right? So, yeah. so um, a lot of military theorists think cyber attacks, which will be temporary, perhaps even reversible, and don't damage the physical infrastructure of the satellite, probably the preferred uh, means of combat in space. I see, right. Sean Waterman, pleasure to have you on our podcast series. Thanks for this fascinating discussion. Well, I really appreciated uh, your questions, Kubra, and um, uh, best of luck with the Stratcom project. It sounds very interesting. Thank you very much. <laughs>